Pull Sales and Marketing Podcast. I'm Marcella. And I'm Sherry. In each episode, we provide you with sales and marketing strategies that you can implement immediately into your own business. Today, we're going to be sharing Marcella's interview with Jeremy Dale. Jeremy's been involved with massive launches like the Motorola Razor and Pokemon. I have to say, thinking back, the Razor was like one of my most coveted phones. I wanted that for so long. And when I finally got one, it was... It's still probably one of my favorite phones. I have the iPhone 10, and I still have fond memories of the Motorola Razr. That's funny. That um, was awesome. It was pretty awesome. Um, and Pokemon, how was he involved in Pokemon? Did you guys touch on that at all? Uh, briefly. So he actually was part of that launch as well. So he was there at the ground level of the launch of Pokemon. That's amazing. And again, like what was special about the Motorola Razor and Pokemon and those launches and, and, and especially about that time. And, and now one thing that's interesting is, is like, it's even easier to do that with the tools that we actually have in place now. Like you think it'd be harder, but you know, he, his sentiments were that it's actually easier to have a breakthrough like that. Interesting. I think that's a great takeaway. So uh, Marcello and Jeremy discuss the importance of having your mind right, how to be agile enough to disrupt norms with a punk rock attitude. So First, I want to take a moment to remind you that you can reach out to us anytime with questions or feedback. We do have various resources available to you if you have business goals, sales goals, marketing stuff that you're that you want to achieve. Um, we're happy to chat further. You can simply email us pushpullsales at gmail.com and we can go from there. But without further ado, let's dive into the interview. All right. So we have on today Jeremy Dale, uh, who is a author of the punk rock of business he is a former former cmo of motorola and now he's the current ceo of an exciting startup so jeremy welcome to the podcast thank you for having me delighted to be here thank you thank you so for people who haven't heard of you before tell me a little bit about yourself your background all that good stuff well i don't like admitting this but i started off as an accountant and I worked in a business um, which was in ready-mix concrete. I then moved into parcel distribution before sort of emerging into the part of my life which you know has been the most exciting and fulfilling, which was really around consumer technology. So I've done various marketing jobs and commercial jobs, and I'm now leading a business in uh, a digital startup connected with soccer and entertainment. And that launched a couple of days ago. Uh, it's called Otro. You may have heard about it. I hope so, because we were trying, you know, there's been huge attention around the world. Um, but so I started as an accountant, but I've always had this principle about punk rock principles, really driving entrepreneurship. So whilst I started as an accountant, I think I'm really an entrepreneur. And I've been fortunate enough to work at some great companies like um you know, Nintendo and Motorola and Microsoft, and now this new business of mine. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, and then it's interesting. So, so when we got the book, I mean, which one, at first I kind of looked up your background and I'm like, punk rock? And he was last at Microsoft, you know, like before starting his own company. How does that actually work out? So if you can kind of give us some, some, some kind of explanation in terms of how you ended up with that title and how the book was actually inspired. 
Yes, it really comes um, back to some of the days of Motorola. I was there during the Razer heyday. And, you know, when Razer came out, it just, you know, was transformational. And at that time, we were working with Bono and Bobby Shriver from Product Red. And they came to us and they basically wanted to take various uh, iconic products of the world and make a red version and a proportion of the profits from those devices uh, or those products would go to help eliminate AIDS in Africa. And we contribute a proportion of the profit. And do you remember Product Red? Yeah, yeah. So we were launching that in 2006. And the uh, concept for the launch was that Bono was going to go onto the Oprah show, talk about the AIDS pandemic and how it was, you know, destroying Africa. And then they would go shopping down North Michigan Avenue in Chicago and buy some red Gap T-shirts, a red Armani watch, and ultimately end up buying a uh, red Motorola Razor phone uh, in the red, you know, in, in each of the stores. So that was the plan, and it, it was everything was going fine, and we'd had everything prepared. And then 12 days before the show, my chairman rang me up to say he'd just had Bono on the phone and told him all about the plan. And I said, yeah, it's cool. And he goes, yes, he said, but where's our store going to be? And I said, well, Motorola don't have stores, but I've got a space in the Gap store, the Blentester space, and I'm going to create a storing store and it'll look great on television. And he basically told me that wasn't good enough. He hung (laughs) And after (laughs) a few minutes, he um, told me I needed to build him a store and he hung up the phone. So I went round to the president of our business and he basically told me that the chairman had rung him as well immediately after hanging up on me and I needed to go and build a store. So, you you know, as you know, you can't build stores in 12 days. So, no. um, you know, and certainly not on Michigan Avenue. So uh, I got with my head designer and we got in the car and we drove down and obviously there's no stores available on Michigan Avenue in the first place. But we found a museum which was closed for refurbishment. And overnight, we found out they were refurbishing the second and third floor, but the first floor, they weren't touching. And we told them the story, and they decided to rent out the uh, first floor area to us uh, for a period of four months. And this was September, so it covered us through the main Christmas period. Um, my designer came up with the brilliant idea of putting false walls in. And the red logo, the product red logo back there uh, is a pair of parentheses. So he created some false walls in the shape of parentheses. So as you walked into the store, you literally walked into the brand itself. And oh, cool. anyway, the guys did an amazing job. And it actually won North American Retail Store of the Year that year. Um, we had people working around the clock. And on launch day, uh, we had Kanye West selling 10 Motorola Razor phones to Oprah in the store with Bono after, you know, the, uh, as part of the show. And uh, Bono came up to me after the filming had ended. He hugged me and he just whispered in my ear, 12 days, 12 days. <laughs> and he, that's all he needed to say. And he just, that's all he said. And he walked off. Um, but then when I got home that night, my wife said to me, it was really cool what Bono said about you on the show. And I'm going, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, what did he say? And he said that Oprah had asked him, um, 
why he was launching in Chicago. And he said, we love our partners, but the guys at Motorola are the punk rock of business. With them, there's no long introductions. They just decide they're going to do something and they do it. It's three beats and you're in. And for me, that really summed up the principles which I've always tried to live by, which is, you know, you have to move with speed and action. You have to make decisions. You have to dare greatly and try and do amazing things. And too many people spend too much time dithering and thinking, is it really going to be possible? And actually, if you just go for it so many times, you can, you know, create amazing things. And so whilst um, I'd say you might think of Microsoft as not being the punk rock, um, in my sort of time at Microsoft and my time at Motorola and certainly in the consumer businesses, which I've been in in those two businesses, we've always tried to strive for achieving remarkable things, not settling for mediocrity, trying to drive on and move at speed and having confidence to be able to go and do and achieve some of those things. So that's really what, you know, I think punk rock of business is all about. It's punk rock for me is an attitude rather than a music genre. And if you look at punk rock in the music industry, it was the ultimate form of entrepreneurship. Um, and there's many big companies today who need just a little bit more entrepreneurship flowing through its veins because that's what, that's what people want. And that's what, you know, people, when they go to work, they want leaders who've got that sort of sense of entrepreneurship. So I, my book is all about encouraging people not to settle for average, not to settle for mediocrity and just constantly strive to create great things. Awesome. Awesome. I love that. So w without giving away, obviously the, without giving away, obviously the whole book, I mean, you kind of go into different, uh, quote unquote, punk rock principles. Um, let me ask you this. So who do you think would benefit the most from this book? Is this for the, you know, is this for the startup business? Is this for the leader? And let's say one of these organizations like, you know, Microsoft, you know, Google, some of these larger organizations, maybe someone who's kind of like mid-level who would benefit the most from this book? Um, I think it's for people who want to strive for achieving remarkable things, you know, who don't want to settle for mediocrity. Um, I, when I started writing this book, I started thinking I wanted to write it as if it, you know, all the things I wanted would have wanted someone to tell me when I was starting in business. So I do think it's for people sort of just embarking on it. Mm -hmm. But I also think it is for um, people who are in their careers who are frustrated for settling for mediocrity and people who do want to achieve great things. And more than anything else, there's so many people who are leaders in their part of a business or, you know, a whole company who have the power to make this so much better people and for their customers. Um, so I think it's I think it's for anybody. And what I've actually been a little surprised to see is obviously a number of my um, friends and family and friends of friends have read the book and some of them are not in the business world. You know, I've got a good friend who is a senior nurse and she said she took so much, you know, out of it. And so I think it's about principles for life as much as it is about principles for business. Absolutely. And again, in terms of some of the principles, so the first one, and that's why I wanted to clarify about who this is for, because one of the first things you go into is are you talk about like having a cause that doesn't necessarily yeah. have to be what the overall greater companies causes. If you're just making a difference at your level, that's absolutely important. 
And then likewise, if you're obviously the CEO, if you're obviously the, if you're the guy who's running the show, you know, you definitely want that as a driving force and you want that to actually trickle down. But sometimes when you kind of go through the principles, it's interesting. You talk about speed, you talk about having a cause and in some of these larger organizations, even some of these mid-sized organizations, speed and action don't always happen. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm sure you've obviously seen that in other, in other organizations you've worked for, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Cool. And it's, it's about to, to sort of embrace some of these principles. You have to take yourself out of the comfort zone and, Put yourself out there a bit and dare greatly. I mean, one of the stories which I was reading when I was doing some of the research about, you know, the punk analogy was The Clash, which was, you know, one of the top British punk bands Mm -hmm. uh, were rehearsing and they were practicing and they hung out one day with, I think it was the Ramones who were over from America. And they were talking one day and the, the Ramones were talking to them and saying, you know, so how many gigs have you done? And they said, none yet. You know, we're not good enough. And the Ramones basically said, we're rubbish. That shouldn't stop you. Get out there. And that night, Clash went and did their first ever gig. And so some of it is just about saying, oh, you know, I don't have to be perfect at everything. I'm just going to get on and do something and make it happen. And sometimes when you move at speed, you will trip over but you always fall forward and make momentum forward. And you just got to get up and brush yourself off and get on and do it. Absolutely. Now, do you feel like in obviously with social media and everything going on, do you feel like it's harder for people to kind of make that leap, especially because so much is kind of out there in the open. So again, if, if I were to start my own business or if I were to kind of dive into something, you know, and you think about it, like all those things, again, you want things to kind of be just perfect, but now you've kind of already thrown that out there again, social media, everything's out there. It's on your LinkedIn, everything's out there. Is it harder today than you feel like it was back in the, back in the, you know, in the, in the mid 2000s, 2005, 2006, or, or do you feel like it's, it's all attitude at that point? It doesn't, it doesn't really matter. To be honest, I don't think there's a better time to do it than today. I mean, we're in the midst of, you know, what's being called the fourth industrial revolution. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is the digital age. Everything is up for grabs in this, you know, in this time. This is where, you know, big conglomerates are being trounced by little startups because they can. They've got nothing to fear. So I think if, um, you know, I think this is the most exciting time ever uh, in many regards. It's also the most scary time ever if you're in one of those big corporate, you know, monoliths. Um, but no, I think this is so much opportunity. And if people have got an attitude of going, you know, I'm just going to strive and, you know, strive for greatness and do remarkable things, there's no better time to be able to do that than today. That's awesome. I agree. I agree. Um, so in terms of your background and all that, so obviously you work for I mean, some of the largest companies on, on the planet. Again, you, you definitely worked your way up there. So what are you currently doing now? So what, so what, so what are the big things that you're working on right now? Yeah, I'm the CEO of a new startup. Okay. Um, we actually uh, announced ourselves a couple of days ago. We are called Otro, O-T-R-O. Okay. And this is a brand new startup, which is working with, many of the world's leading soccer players 
if you come to our website, otro.com, and check us out, you will see our full story. But it's basically uh, a sense that we're creating a platform where these top soccer players in the world tell their story and we help them tell the story to their fans. But we've created uh, a club where they are our founding members and this is their other club. They may play for all these different teams, but they've come together to create this club where they tell their story. And so um, we've got some amazing stories to tell. We created this because we felt that there are many um, soccer fans in the world who look up to these soccer stars and they are their you know, role models because of the position they hold. But they don't really know who they are and their stories and the sacrifices they've made and the determinations they've done. So we're telling a lot of those stories. We talk about, you know, some of our players, you know, one didn't have shoes till he was five and then slept with his shoes when he got his first pair. And the sacrifices and the dedication they've, um, that they've all, if you like, um, succumbed to and, you know, the commitment they've shown through their lives is amazing stories. And so we're trying to make sure that they're great role models for people all around the world. And our footballers have about a billion social media followers together. So it is hugely popular around the world and we think we can have a real, real impact. And as I say, we're really excited about the launch and the reaction we've had in the last couple of days to that. Gotcha, gotcha. And I, I definitely appreciate you, you first saying soccer and then switching to footballers because, you know, obviously yes, we're over. Yes, I'm sorry. I, yes, I, it's, I'm... All, it's all good. So both my parents are immigrants, so they always called it football. It wasn't, it wasn't soccer for them either, so it's all yeah. good. It's all good. Yeah. So so interesting. So is this something, like, have you had this idea kind of in the back of your head for a while now and, and kind of coming through? Or how did, or how did, how do we, end, how, how, do you, how do you end up there? Yeah, to be honest, um, it wasn't my idea. I can't claim that. Um, I worked with David Beckham at Motorola. He was one of my brand ambassadors. So I was known to uh, some of his management team. And when they heard I was leaving Microsoft, um, my we needed to get the family back on one continent. So whilst I'm a Brit, I've lived in Chicago for five years. I lived in uh, Seattle for four years. Um, we needed to get our family back on one continent. So I left Microsoft about 18 months ago. I told them I was coming back to England and keep an eye out for anything interesting going on. And they said, well, we happen to have something interesting for you. So they talked to me about this concept. And then over the last 18 months, we've been working on it. Six months ago, there were three of us in an office. And today, there's 78 of us. And it's oh, wow. gone crazy. And so many of my, um, so many of the stories in my book have been so valuable to me in the last six months. And I've constantly been reminded of them and the importance of them. Um, so it's been an exciting journey. But again, it was one of the ones where I was just blessed to be given a great opportunity at the time. And I've been fortunate in that regard all the way through my career. I took over the marketing at Nintendo just at the time when Pokemon was launching. Um, you know, I joined Motorola just at the time the Razer was launching. Um, I, you know, I joined Microsoft just at the time that was on its resurgence. So I have been very blessed in my career. So, so, so kind of thinking about some of those things, I mean, what was, 
you know, and again, for our listeners, what was so special about those times or what do you think made Pokemon, obviously like all these things today, like Pokemon, that's huge. And you're thinking about like the razor that really was the, that really was the start before all the, you know, current smartphones and all that stuff came out where people really actually cared about, all right, what kind of phone I have and oh, hey, I have a razor now or oh, I have the silver and all that good stuff. Yeah. What do you think was special about how you launched that? Or what do you think was actually integral to, to, to that, to the, you know, to those properties? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, when we look at Pokemon, Pokemon just really sort of tapped into so many sort of core consumer trends and, you know, in terms of, you know, people wanting to collect things, people, um, you know, liked the base, you know, the gameplay, and it was a sophisticated game of rock, paper, scissors, if you like, at, you know, at its core. Um but then, you know, the Razer product was just a beautiful device which um, changed people's perception of what a mobile phone should look like. They were becoming uh, narrow and broad, and people, you know, people wanted the beautiful, thin, good-looking phone at the times. And so it was really just tapping into moments when something really just got traction and became a cultural phenomenon. And in my job, which has always been in around sales and marketing, it's been trying to make that cultural phenomenon and trying to tap into the psyche of consumers and then just making sure that we had fun with the marketing and people, you know, loved the essence of the brand and the product. And so um, it's always been about having a love for the product and then being able to try and transmit that love to everyone else. And, you know, as the principle in the book goes, you know, build a movement, you win people over one at a time and then they become your greatest advocates and your best sales force so your happy consumers that's awesome that's awesome and again and sometimes people think like all right i want some kind of you know hook or i need some kind of you know lightning in a bottle and a lot of that comes down to and again even even today obviously i mean the razor came out how long ago like you have that you know passion you have that you know, um, as you put it, like you're, you're very authentic about that, you know, like that's a, that's a, it's a beautiful product, you know? Yeah. So let's just say you bump into somebody now, what are the most common questions people ask you? What do people want to find out from you, Jeremy? Um, <laughs> people, well, let me answer in a slightly different way, if I may. Sure. Um, there's two types of questions I hear around the office. This is less directed at me. Okay. But I always think there's two types of people you see. There are the people who ask the kind of questions which I really don't like, which is, you know, how am I going to do that? You know, how do we think that's possible? And they almost start from this sort of negative, you know, sort of position. And then the type of questions I love are the people who, are, who ask the question, you know, what if we did this? You know, how about if we tried that? And the ones who are constantly trying to ideate. And so for me, the questions people ask are really, you know, insightful into the core of who those people are. So I always try and look at those questions. Um, and, you know, the types of questions that, you know, <laughs> I like to receive are the ones where people are going, you know, how can we do this? How can we do that? How can we speed this up? How can we make this better? And... That's what I hope I achieve is trying to encourage people to push themselves to be better. 
And that's what I, you know, try and do. And sometimes, you know, as we try and push people to be better, some people don't always respond. And there's, how do you expect me to do that? How can I possibly do this? How can I do that? And so, you know, it's, it's the first questions, which is that's the reaction I'm trying to get from people in, you know, in my organization and always have to. Gotcha. And, and again, kind of relating to that, then, especially when, when you grow that fast. I mean, you're at, at how many employees now? Uh, 78, unless Sorry. we've hired any more in the last 20 minutes since we started speaking. That's funny. That's funny. So how do you find people that are, that are actually on board with the mission or how do you kind of filter out? Cause I mean, obviously in that startup environment, you can kind of pivot faster. What are you most looking for in your people or how do you kind of avoid the people who are going to ask, like, I'm not sure how we're going to do that, you know, versus yeah. like, Hey, here's the problem. I have a couple ideas how we can solve that. What do you think? I think um, when we're always recruiting, I always say we obviously, you know, strive for a very diverse organization mm -hmm. in every aspect bar one, and that is attitude. And I don't think people can hide or disguise their attitude for very long. So I always look for people who've got a great attitude, who've got energy and who've got drive. And the question I always end up asking, and it's always the determinant of whether we hire them or not, is am I excited to work with them? And that applies to everyone and every position. Am I excited for them to come into our organization? Do they bring a positive energy? Because I think as a leader of a organization, the greatest responsibility that you have to your people is not to put negative energy in the environment. You know, a good, uh, you know, someone who's good at their job, but is, you know, negative. It's just too big a compromise to make to be able to put their negative energy in the environment. And what right as a leader do you have to surround your people with people who just bring them down all the time? It's just not enabling them to be their best. So for me, Attitude is everything, and I'd rather take someone who is bright and smart and has a great attitude and little experience, and we'll teach them the rest. Nice, nice. So kind of thinking about, obviously, this is, you know, something new. I mean, you're tapping into a couple of different things. I mean, obviously, we're, we're tapping into some of the, and then some of the, you know, David Beckham, you're mentioning, you know, tapping into some of these larger, you know, markets here with football and all that good stuff. So, so basically what you're doing now how are you going to punch through the noise? Like, how are how, how, like what do you what do you feel like the vision is going to be that's really going to set you apart and that and that's really going to you know grab and not only grab but but keep everyone's attention? Yeah, I think the the most special thing that we will bring is the authentic storytelling of our players' stories. And what we've seen in all our consumer research is people think that. What they see of these players in so many places is just the polished version that their PR people want to portray. And we're investing you know, money to be able to help the players tell their story and to be authentic and to create that in a really um, curated way. And so I think what you'll see from what we're doing is uh, an authentic storytelling and really showing who the players are. And I think that will make a difference. And then in regards to sort of punching through and getting noticed, 
mm-hmm. when you're, um, you know, when the, the founding members of our club have nearly one billion social media followers, and they are going to communicate to them by sharing pieces of this content through their social media every week. I don't think we're going to struggle to punch through and get noticed just because these are some of the most watched people on the planet. And we've already seen that with some of the posts and the uh, responses we've seen in the last couple of days. That's awesome. That's awesome. So so kind of thinking about, and I'm kind of switching gears a little bit, kind of thinking about your career, what would you say in terms of maybe uh, and maybe a challenge or what would you say in terms of maybe a, a product or, or anything that you feel like, you know, of any, I'm really proud of that. So like, like what kind of things would you say throughout your career? Are you most proud of at this point? Um, this is a little bit like asking, which is your favorite child? <laughs> um, you know, when, when we launched Pokemon, we said, you know, we're never going to be able to um, experience this high again. Um, in the UK, I created a product called Orange Wednesdays, which was, again, a very loved um, cinema promotion, which lasted for 13 years. And everyone in the UK sort of grew up, you know, going to and benefiting from. Um, the Razor was just iconic. I mean, the, the Razor, we originally had an original sales forecast of 600,000 units, and we thought that was a little high. We ended up selling 160 million. So, you know, again, we just, you know, call that bad forecasting or just, you know, an amazing sort of momentum. And then, you know, we did a whole load of great things at Microsoft with Xbox One and Connect and a bunch of, you know, those other products. And, and now Otra, I'm really excited about. So for me... It's, I look at all of them and go, you know, I love all my children dearly as such. But the most important thing is the experiences you have with your colleagues in creating all of those. And so one of the things which I've enjoyed most, and particularly, you know, in terms of writing this book, is many of my old colleagues have got back in touch and said that they've read the book, um, they could hear my tone of voice coming through the pages loud and clear and it just helped uh, reunite us in many ways and bring a lot of those people who I've shared some amazing moments with you know back together so it's always about the journey it's always about the people you do it with and that's the most valuable thing awesome now in terms of where you're at and and you definitely get that you know in terms of tone that you've always had that entrepreneurial spirit even even obviously you know you're a part of you know, a, a much larger organization. Did you feel like you would always end up kind of running your own show and, and, and kind of being the, and kind of being the CEO of, of this startup here? Like, do you feel like you would have always been there or is this something where it kind of evolved over time? To be honest, it's something I always wanted to do. Okay. Um, but I ended up going into larger and larger companies and, thoroughly enjoying those. And, you know, and the beauty of working in companies like Motorola or Microsoft is you are operating in, you know, 100 countries around the world and you've got the diversity of all the different teams in all the different countries. And that's just, you know, it's just beautiful, you know, and I've had the uh, the good fortune to be able to explore the world and I have friends in every country as a result of doing that. But I did always want to be, uh, you know, my own 
a CEO and be able to build something. And so this is just an absolute blessing in order to be able to uh, create this. Now, we're still very, very, very young, obviously, mm-hmm. um, but we're tremendously excited about the potential and we will see if we can really deliver on our dreams. But we're excited to, but we're not taking anything for granted. Gotcha. Now, you, you've been in the marketing world a very, very long time. Let me ask you this, and then and maybe if there is any change. I mean, what kind of mistakes do you feel like companies are make marketing now? And are these the exact same mistakes? So so, so let me kind of add that. So, so what's the biggest mistake people might, are making now in terms of a marketing standpoint? And is that the same mistake that people were making, you know, 15, 20 years ago? Um, I... I mean, the world is so different to 15 or 20 years ago. And so the mistakes being made, you know, I can't even remember the types of mistakes which were being made 15 or 20 years ago. But, I mean, you know, I think it was back then it was just still, it was all about being far too traditional. And I think today, you know, the companies who are making the mistakes are the ones who are still being far too traditional. Um, I think it's, but, you know, traditional today is so different to traditional back then. I think everything everything has got to be around how do you you know constantly evolve and constantly push things and innovate um, because the ability to innovate is just so important. But innovating today is very different to what innovating was you know back then. So I think I think the biggest mistake all the way through is people just being too traditional, too conservative in their solutions and. You know, that's, again, this essence of, you know, the punk rock constantly pushing the boundary. So I'd just go, everyone just needs to keep innovating faster than their competitors because that's the only sustainable competitive advantage. I agree. I agree. And kind of looking, you know, and kind of looking through your book, I mean, you, you definitely have a, a big difference between being, quote unquote, you know, modest and in and, 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 and terms of like making really, really big plans and, and obviously pushing the envelope and really, really taking risk. Um now, in terms of your own development and all that good stuff, so what would be a recommendation then? So let's just say someone is a marketer. Let's just say someone is actually in sales. You know, what what would you recommend for them to read? Maybe a book they're reading right now or maybe what kind of resource or what kind of course do you felt like really made an impact that would also help our listeners? Yeah, Um the person I gained most from in recent years is a guy called Dr. Michael Gervais, okay. who is a sports psychologist. He currently works with a bunch of people, but Seattle Seahawks. And he worked with Pete Carroll in terms of creating the Super Bowl winning team and the culture at the Seahawks. For anybody who's a big NFL fan, uh, you know, over the last number of years, I think has been one of the key things which have helped to define them. And they really felt they were onto something with the culture that they were working on at the Seahawks. And obviously they were neighbors of ours at Microsoft in Seattle. Mm-hmm. And they came along and said, we think we're really onto something which could work in a business environment. Are you interested in finding out? And so Satya had just taken over as CEO at Microsoft and he encouraged Mike to come in. And then Mike started working with us. And Mike talks a lot about, he's got a website called Finding Mastery. 
So findingmastery.com by Dr. Michael Gervais. And he started talking to us about how we can be the best that we can be and the attitude and a number of core characteristics about, you know, just being able to perform at your best on a regular basis and, and what you focus on. And one of the things for me, which um, Mike talked about when he applied a lot of this learning from the Seahawks to us was he used to say to the players of the Seahawks, he's going, there's only one play you can affect, which is this play. Don't worry about the play that's just gone. And don't worry about a play, you know, coming on. Just focus on this play. Focus on what you can control at the moment. And too much of the time we worry about all these things going on around us, which we got no control over. And I think what Mike helped teach me to do was really how to train your mind to focus on the things you can control and not to worry about the things or not to waste energy on thinking about the things that you can't control. Um, but he is really taking a lot of those sports psychology lessons and applying them in business. And he's been invaluable for me in my development over the last few years. That's awesome. That's awesome. I find it so interesting, like that parallel between sports and business and all the things you talk about, attitude and mindset, you know, and, and, and I feel like those are areas that are really, really underserved because a lot of times when people are coming on to like you know this podcast or when people are coming on like just just anything in sales and marketing they're trying to find a lot of times uh tactics per se or like shortcuts them versus just just really focusing at the core in terms of what what can i do to maximize right now how can i actually be how can i actually be present uh, in yeah. that, you know, and, and a lot of businesses now are, are actually diving into that more. Um, you know, it's interesting, like some of the other people we had on the, on the podcast, you know, some of their books are more on mindset than anything else and very, yeah. very much less on, on actual skill set. Um, but yeah, that's, that, that's awesome how you have that parallel. Now for you, do you feel like, and again, just in terms of hiring, is that, cause it's kind of a, it's kind of a trendy thing to do. Not necessarily a trendy thing, but a lot of salespeople, if you see when they have something posted it's a or sales organizations looking for former athletes you know do you feel like they have a, a little bit better advantage being in that world um i don't know to be honest i haven't um hired i haven't hired a bunch of them mm-hmm. um i i do think they they have a mentality about being at their best, which I think is healthy. Um, and as I say, I know when when Mike came in to talk to us first, he told us there were three things you could train, your body, your craft, and your mind. And I never, ever thought about training my mind at that point. <laughs> and, and it was just like almost like a revelation. And so I do think, as you said, it's very much underserved. And I do think some of those uh, athletes who do move into business and related things afterwards, they, you know, can bring some of those parallels in. We haven't hired many in that sort of space. I can think of one, and he certainly brings those things in. But I haven't hired enough to be able to um, definitively say that. Gotcha. Awesome. Awesome. And as as far as I can tell, I mean, it doesn't seem like anybody has done what you're doing to that extent so again in terms of looking at you know 
football players and again getting actual authentic stories. I mean, you probably see a glimpse of that maybe in like in, in shorter documentaries, but you're basically rolling out new content and new stories are rolling out every single week. Yes, absolutely. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, so let's just say someone wants to get more information. Someone wants to get in touch with you. They want to partner with your organization. They just want to find out more in terms of what you're doing. How can our listeners find you? Yeah. If it's to do with my new business, I'd go to otro.com, O-T-R-O.com, and you'll be able to get in touch with us that way. If you're interested in following me and this uh, and my book, uh, if you go on to Instagram, Punk Rock Business, um, or my website, punkrockbusiness.com. That's awesome. That's awesome. So do you have any final parting words for our listeners any, any other like pearls of wisdom so again i'll have to put a link to that finding mastery um right away but anything else like that or anything else that you'd want to share with our listeners yeah i think um to be honest i've had a challenging summer this year in that i lost um, two of my best friends and i lost my dad as well Sorry and it and it, it kind of helped me sort of if you like really sort of set things off about what's important to me. And what I realized was, for me, it's all about creating remarkable experiences and doing it with amazing people. And the reason I sort of mentioned, you know, my losses this year was, you know, obviously that was sort of traumatic and, uh, but we ended up getting through it by creating the most remarkable funeral and wake and celebration of their life. And, one of my, my best friends who we lost, his sister came up to me the day after we'd put on this amazing funeral and wake and celebration of his life and there was a thousand people there and it was more like a festival than a funeral. And she came up to me afterwards and said, how can the worst day of your life also be the best day of your life? And she said, and it's when it's filled with love. And so I think, you know, what you know came out to me was Everything I want to do is I want to create a remarkable experience, you know, whether that be in the app I'm creating at the moment in the business or whether it be in, uh, you know, putting things on and events for your friends. It's how do we create remarkable experiences and share them with amazing people? And if you do that, you're going to enjoy your life. And so that you know, a difficult summer has actually taught me a lot in terms of making sure that everything we try and do, remarkable experiences and doing it with great people. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so and what we'll do is we'll actually have links in all the show notes. Um, so again, if you want to check out the book, The Punk Rock of Business, I can personally say, you know, a lot of sales books that come out or a lot of marketing books have a lot of fluff or like are, are kind of difficult to, act, to actually go through. This book, very practical. It has it's probably one of the easiest reads too. Cause like the stories and the background, all that good stuff. It's, it's again, it's very, very engaging. And I think a lot of that comes through again, in terms of what, what you talk about in the book, you know, about, about being authentic, you know, and again, I've had a lot of people on this podcast and that tone and that attitude absolutely comes across. So we'll have links again to outro. We'll have links to, you know, we'll have links to his book, but Jeremy really, really appreciate having you on. Thank you so much. No, thank you. Thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. And anytime you want me back, I'll be there. Awesome.